What's up, Warrior fans? This is the We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a sports ethos presentation. Sam Arlick here, your host. We're back after an extended absence. Um, it's been quite some time since I've been able to put out an episode. Feels really good to be back on the pod talking warriors a lot of things to break down here um you know first and foremost warriors currently back at 500 after a much needed win at home versus the houston rockets last night um this is coming off of back-to-back bad losses against la teams the lakers um and the clippers 116 to 101 was the final score. Um, again, coming into the All Star break, Warriors lost 124 134 to the Clippers. And then um, on the first game or the front end of a back to back, Warriors lost to the Lakers 111 to 124. Um, coming into this Houston Rockets home game, um, Warriors fans, you know, feeling some pressure, feeling the panic meter rising. Um, A lot of people, myself included, hearing the rhetoric of, you know, guys are tired, mentally, physically exhausted. We really need the all-star break to kind of refresh, reset, um, take a step back and get ready for this kind of not kind of very critical crucial home stretch of the season um warriors basically in a five six seven eight team rush or race in the western conference um basically you know the san antonio spurs and the houston rockets at 14 and, and 46 and 13 and 46 are basically the only two teams out of contention uh, for the play-in game in the West. You basically have 13 other teams vying for 10 spots. Um, You know, I think it's safe safe to say you've got, you know, the Denver Nuggets, the Memphis Grizzlies, Sacramento Kings, Phoenix Suns, Los Angeles Clippers, um, you know, even throw in the Dallas Mavericks. Basically, that one through six is is very much cemented, and kind of the top of the West, I think obviously we'll see as, as the games play out, there might be some repositioning, some, some seeding changes. Um, but most certainly Denver at 42 and 18, a top at the West, uh, you know, I don't really see them going anywhere. Spurs and Houston are really just in the, in the uh, lottery sweepstakes, trying to get, you know, get the best odds at, at getting, um the highly sought after i'm gonna mispronounce his name wem bum yama um the freakishly tall seven foot three-point shooter kevin durant Giannis, you know fill in the blank type franchise player that everybody's been um fawning over since you know he's been in the g league ignite so Basically, point I'm trying to make here, you know, Warriors here in ninth, 30 and 30, 
but you've got Minnesota at 31 and 31 right above them. The Pelicans also at 30 and 30 right above them. Basically three teams all at 500. Um, Warriors 12 games out of the first, but you can get a sense of, you know, three, four, five game win streak and Warriors could very easily jump from ninth to fifth. Um, it's not, you know, it's not very hard to move up in the standings. What's hard is to, to win consistently. <laughs> That's been the issue for the Warriors all season long. Um, struggling on the road to start off the season and then just not being able to find any type of momentum, any type of consistency. You've got guys coming in and out of the lineup, whether it's due to injury, personal reasons. Um, There's just so many, you know, so many moving parts to this season, a very disjointed Warriors season. Um, And it's been tough. It's been really tough to be a Warriors fan, especially coming off of a championship. This isn't the type of season you'd expect for a contender. Basically, you know, two thirds of the season under what, you know, having been completed and Warriors are playing 500 ball and it shows right. The product on the floor shows it's not there's no discrepancy between the. The product that the Warriors have put together on a night in and night out basis in the record that they currently have. I think if you watched enough Warriors games this season, there's been some incredible victories. And for all the incredible victories, there's also been um, mortifying losses. And um, they've just really towed the line between trading off great wins and bad beats. And... Um, you know, there's been some games that they've won that they shouldn't have, and there's been a lot of games that they've lost that they shouldn't have. Um, and this was the case last season, too. Warriors really struggled down the stretch last season, but the big difference is the Warriors got off to such a good start last season, and the defense was so good, um, you know, for that that first chunk of games heading into the All-Star break, and the Warriors really set them out, set themselves up for success having a big cushion in the standings that they could stomach a five game losing streak. They could stomach, you know, playing under 500 ball. Um, they could stomach missing Steph Curry or Draymond Green or Clay Thompson for extended periods of time. Um, they could stomach Andrew Wiggins uh, losing some aggression on the offensive end. Now you've got, you know, a lot of different narratives and storylines going on. You've got question marks around young guys being played. You've got question marks around the rotation. Um, You've had Steph Curry miss the most games in a season in quite some time. Um, Clay Thompson, you know, obviously healthy and playing some of the best, some of the best basketball of his career, but also um, being, you know, at the same time, also playing very inconsistent games where, his shot selection and mental focus come into question. Um, making plays, you know, being put in position to to make plays that he typically has never needed to make in his career. Um, missing Steph Curry and Draymond Green in Houston. You saw Klay Thompson handle the ball more. 
Um, this happened against the Lakers, and this happened last night at home against Houston. Clay Thompson's got the ball. He dribbles it into the short corner and throws a no-look behind-the-back pass to Kevon Looney when Kevon Looney's cutting to the basket, and there's no... There's no... Um, Clay's not checking if Looney's there. Um, it's just a very sloppy play. Um, and sure, I'm being critical of Clay. Clay Thompson against Houston, you know, 12 threes, 12 of 19 shooting, highly efficient, absolutely unconscious from deep. But it doesn't take away the fact that this Warriors team needs to be more intentional about their execution, right? We've highly documented the issues of the Warriors and and being prone to fouling, the turnovers, the shot selection, shooting too many threes. And so when you're missing Curry and Wiggins and Draymond and you're Clay Thompson and you're making boneheaded plays like that where you're just basically gifting the team a fast break layup because you're behind you're no look behind the pass you're no look behind the back pass to the top of the key is basically just a pass to the other team to go on a fast break that stuff is infectious those types of mental lapses um, you know, you've already got Jordan Poole making silly mistakes, falling to the ground, throwing it out of bounds, right? Poole actually only had um, one turnover last night. So, um, you know, that was uncharacter uncharacteristically good of Jordan Poole. But my point here, and not to take away from the incredible shooting performance of Clay Thompson, is that it highlights the challenges and the frustrations of watching this team where you've got a player like clay thompson who you know we'd expect to be a future hall of famer who's got four championships who's has has had all of this experience and he's making plays like that um which is just very very frustrating and hard to hard to comprehend because it's not a play to the hoop um it's not a play that you typically execute and um, and the fact that he did it two games in a row and his reaction to that is like, oh, man, Looney, what are you doing when you just read his body language? But it's like not really processing what's going on. Um, Clay Thompson in his postgame interview spoke a little bit to his um, slow start in that Houston game. He started the game like going one for four. I believe his first shot of the game was an air ball jumper um just kind of one of those highly contested step back jumpers that clay will sometimes take that was just not even close and it just is really interesting that so much of clay's game is mental it's being locked in it's taking good shots it's not rushing things um and it's just surprising that a guy at his stage of his career um with his level of maturity and experience um, through all the trials and tribulations that he's gone through. And he's still, you know, not always locked in, I guess is the point that I'm making. And so it's challenging for a team that doesn't, you know, we're not the elite defense. We're not the regular season elite defensive team that we've been in the past where we can stomach throwing the ball away and committing silly fouls and taking bad shots. And this is something that Steve Kerr has been talking about Ignazium. Um, the margin for error is so small with this group. 
and you really need to lean on your veterans, your stars to set the right examples to, you know, to, to be a role model out there. Um, and it's just, it's just challenging for me to sit there and watch Clay Thompson make that same play two games in a row, um, given all the things that I just mentioned and, um, be surprised with where the Warriors are at in the standings right now. So that was, that was my, my rant on Clay Thompson on frustrations around Clay Thompson and his decision making when you don't have Curry and, and Draymond out there on the floor with him that should have the ball in his hands. Because the flip side of that is when Clay's not making boneheaded plays like that and he's playing through the offense and he's playing to his strengths, which is spot up shooting, he does incredible things like hitting 12 threes in a game, um, which, you know, he did once. Curry hit 13 and he hit 14. So, um, you know, very incredible feat. And, um, you know, apparently Clay Thompson likes to play against Houston. The two, the two Clay Thompson games against the Houston Rockets this season, November 3rd, Clay Thompson had 41 points on 14 of 23 field goals, 10 of 13 from three. And then last night, 42 points on 12 of 19 field goals, 12 of 19 from three, 22 threes made in 72 minutes. Um, this stat courtesy of Anthony Slater from The Athletic. So just absolute insanity. You know, Houston Rockets, obviously bottom bottom feeder team, lottery bound team, very young, um, don't play good, you know, don't play solid foundational defense, don't really necessarily have the hard-nosed defenders to, to stay in front of Thompson. Um, but it does not take away from incredible shooting feats like last night where Thompson is just absolutely on fire. So um, always good to see that. Uh, some other notable hits, uh, points that I wanted to hit on from this game. Patrick Baldwin Jr., PB&J, got some more opportunity. Um, I guess real quick before we get into that, uh, kind of getting ahead of myself here. So Coming into this Houston Rockets game, uh, Wiggins continues to be out and away from the team for personal reasons. Uh, we don't really have any more details around Wiggins' absence beyond that. The team is supportive of him taking care of his business and um, has not shared any more details than that as far as I know. Uh, Draymond Green was questionable, upgraded to probable, and then last minute ruled out due to knee soreness. He had a... Um, kind of knee contusion against the Lakers, um, expected to be day-to-day, -day, nothing major, but this led to more opportunity for Kaminga and Patrick Baldwin Jr. So um, Patrick Baldwin Jr. had uh, 15 minutes, four of eight from the field, three of, three of five from three, couple rebounds. Um, he just looks like he knows how to play the game of basketball. He has such a nice feel for the game. Um, he has an incredible shot that is the footwork and form is very comparable to Clay Thompson. And he's got that length and size, um, a lot of similarities to like Michael Porter Jr. over in Denver. So um, that was really great to see. He had some nice rebounds. Um, he had he had a, a very nice defensive possession where he uh, had a vertical 
uh, defensive play at the rim where he didn't go for the block, but he just jumped straight up. It wasn't called for the foul, and um, the offensive player missed the shot. So I think that there is an argument to be made here that Patrick Baldwin Jr. deserves some more opportunity. Um, I've got nothing against Jonathan Kaminga, who continues to figure out um, ways to be effective. He is struggling a little bit after he really had come on for a few games. Um, Kaminga still, you know, doing a very good job at attacking the rim, um, trying to be that point of attack defender, but still obviously has a long way to go. He flashes his incredible upside and potential, um, but then also along with that comes some mistakes and uh, lack of recognition. So Kaminga is still learning, has, you know, still very young in only his second season Still trying to figure things out. Patrick Baldwin Jr. just seems like he has a much better feel for the game. And obviously being a knockdown three-point shooter gives him a lot more opportunities to just space out the floor. Um, and certainly gives Steve Kerr another option off the bench. Um, Jermichael Green, uh, he had 15 minutes, one of five from the field, one of five from three, seven boards, two assists, two steals, five fouls. He racked up like four fouls in a couple minutes um in that first half and so really you know i like jermichael green he's made some good plays he's i know i seems like every other pod i'm like on or off of jermichael green but jermichael green at his best you know he is physical he's active he's a rebounder he can hit threes he can you know get offensive boards he can be a menace on the on the um with those putbacks, he's a decent free throw shooter, but defensively he fouls. Very consistently, he is unable to defend without fouling. And that's very challenging because when you go to second units, and, and especially in a game like this, because typically what I've seen is you play Jermichael Green at the four. I think the experiment of Jermichael Green at the five, um, it seems like usually you have Draymond or Looney out there with Jermichael Green, so he's not that, um, you know, lone kind of front court defender. But in this game against the Houston Rockets, who play small and no Draymond Green, that wasn't really an option. Your, your two bigs are basically Looney and Jermichael Green. And so you just get a, a little taste of Jermichael Green at the five is a foul machine. And so... You know, I don't think Patrick Baldwin Jr. can play small ball center, but I certainly think he's deserving of a consistent, you know, eight to ten minute roll off the bench. Uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr., if he's going to come in and spot up and take five threes and knock down three of them, I mean, there is a lot of value, benefit, um, and need for a guy who consist consistently come off the bench and hit threes with that size. You know, that had previously been Anthony Lamb's strong suit, who uh two-way player Anthony Lamb, who would who was very who was, you know, really making a name from himself at being kind of a knockdown three-point shooter off the bench. Um, you know, Warriors are gonna have some decisions to make between Lamb and Ty Jerome if they decide to go that route, or um somebody else in the buyout market with their 15th roster slot, but Anthony Lamb has been disappointing as of late, really, from my perspective. Um, 
you know, got a lot of DNPs uh, in the month of February due to the return of Wiggins, which makes sense. Two-way players can only play a maximum of 50 games. So, um, but just has not been good from three. When you're going back to the last game that he made more than one three-pointer in a game was against the Cavaliers on January 20th. Um, his last seven games, 0 for 3 from 3, 0 for 3 from 3, 1 for 1, 0 for 1, 1 from 3, 0 for 4, 1 for 4. Um, and so it's just hard because it's not like he's a great defender. So I do like Anthony Lamb. He does play the system great. He doesn't turn. He doesn't typically turn it over. He does seem to make good decisions as to, you know, knowing when he can attack the basket or when to shoot threes. But his bread and butter was being a proficient three-point shooter um, consistently. And so if he's not able to do that anymore, um, it's kind of hard to argue where he is, his role and where he fits in onto this team. And and I'd like to see, you know, the Warriors maybe kind of pivot here and and give some more opportunities to somebody like um, Patrick Baldwin Jr. So, um, again, you know, for the uh, young Patrick Baldwin Jr., I think there's a lot to really like there. He's a very intriguing prospect. Um, Steve Kerr had some choice words from him, for him about him after the game. Uh, he's a really good prospect. It's exciting to watch. It's exciting watching him play. The game clicks when he's out there. And this is what you'd expect from a guy with the IQ, with the feel. Like, this is the Warriors prototypical type of, um, of young player. Like, a, a guy who has feel, a guy who, who understands the game, a guy who has, you know, not necessarily the athleticism and physical tools, but all the other things the little mechanics of the game, the footwork, the shooting mechanics, positioning, um, high IQ, understanding where to be defensively, um, kind of the polar opposite of Kaminga, <laughs> which is fine, right? Because you need, you see Kaminga fly through the sky and do these incredible athletic moves. And it's like, oh yeah, okay, he's got all this potential. But then you also see that he's still very raw with a lot of the mechanics and tools and footwork. Um, although Kaminga is probably the best pump faker on the team, on the Warriors. So that is one thing that he's got in his in his bag that um, is, is very enjoyable to watch. So, um, all right, talked a little bit about Patrick Baldwin Jr. Um, we've got some injury updates on Steph Curry. So on February 22nd, the Warriors issued an update so he was evaluated by the team on the 22nd he is making good progress and now has returned to individual on-court workouts and he's set to be reevaluated again on march 1st so we need curry it's it's very it's very clear uh the team has been struggling without curry and wiggins arguably the two best players on this team um you know, would be really nice to see. Warriors are currently in the midst of a five-game home stretch, so they've got the Minnesota Timberwolves on Sunday. 
Um, the Portland Trailblazers on Tuesday, the Clippers on Thursday, and the Pelicans on Friday. So, um, you know, you know, Curry's set to be reevaluated in a week. I, you know, I don't think he'd be ready to return by the Clippers game that's a back-to-back Thursday, Friday, Clippers and Pelicans. So maybe not for those games, but maybe after that for their road trip. Um, You know, I'm not sure how close he is other than like the Warriors said, he's doing individual workouts and making good progress. But if the Warriors can take care of business at home, I think that would really put them in a good spot, give them some confidence and feel good about heading on a road trip where they're going to play or heading on this stretch of games where they're going to play eight of their next 10 games on the road. So you really need to take care of business at home, um, especially games against teams that you're fighting for in the standings. So beating the Timberwolves and the Pelicans um, would be huge because those are currently the two teams that are basically tied in record, tied record-wise with the Warriors, but um, slightly ahead in the standings. So um, you need to take care of business at home. That's really been the only reason why the Warriors aren't um, in full-on panic mode and, and sitting in a position like the Los Angeles Lakers are where they're just in a deep hole in the standings. Um, but nothing's going to be easy. Timberwolves are going to be hard. Uh, Trailblazers, you know, any of these teams can be difficult. I mean, it took 42 points from Clay Thompson to take care of the Houston Rockets. And that was not a good start to the, to the Rockets game. Um, nothing's going to be easy. And especially, you know, we don't know when Andrew Wiggins is going to come back. Um, you know, hope, hopefully Draymond Green will be ready to go by Sunday, but no guarantees for that either. Um, there is a lot of pressure on this team right now. And, um, you know, where would the Warriors be without guys like Kavon Looney? Kavon Looney quietly, you know, playing in every game this season. Uh, six of the last seven games, he's posted double-digit rebounds. Um, he had a double-double uh, double against the Lakers. Looney has just been so good, so consistent, doing so many of the intangibles um, on both ends of the floor. Offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds. Um, setting good screens for shooters, getting guys in the right position, um, being a defensive anchor when Draymond's not out there. Just such an important piece for this Warriors team. Love everything that that Kevon Looney's been doing. Um, and uh, really happy that they uh, that they were able to retain him um, in the offseason. So, um kind of all I got for you guys today. Again, big, big, big game against the Timberwolves on Sunday. We've got an early start time, 4.30 Eastern. And just going to have to take it one game at a time. The Warriors, you know, you've got about 22 games left in the regular season. Plenty of opportunity to put together a nice little stretch. Win streak. Um... There is time, there is opportunity, but it's been inconsistent, right? That's been the issue for the Warriors. It's not, it hasn't been pretty, or it's pretty sometimes and ugly other times. Um, They need to get 
They need to get it together. They need to be able to string together 48 minutes of high-level basketball on both sides of the floor, mistake-free, um, thoughtful execution, and um, you know some more for uh, some more 40-point Clay Thompson games would certainly go a long way in um, in doing that. So. Once again, this has been a We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a sports ethos presentation. Give me a follow over at Twitter if you haven't already. That's at SD Orlick. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll catch you on the next one.